0: The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Wow, thank you. That uh, sounds like I've been uh, at this school a lot. And I have, seven years between the undergraduate and the graduate degree. Um, but just to tell you a little bit more about uh, myself, I grew up in Philadelphia. Anybody in Philadelphia? Philadelphia? Yeah. Actually, Northeast Philadelphia, North, uh, graduated from Northeast High School. Anybody Northeast High School? Yeah, I see at least one. There's one. That's great. Um, as was just said, I'm uh, I married. I have three children. You may have heard their names, Jonah, Levi, and Madeline. Um, sound like, you know, Christian names, right? Bible names. At least Jonah and Levi. We tried to go with a prophet, a priest, and a king, and... Um, the Lord had other plans, so we went with Jonah and Levi, and then um, we had a girl, and so um, if you are familiar with the women in the Bible, there's not a whole lot of, um, how do I say this, very admirable uh, women uh, in the Bible, and so it was very difficult to, uh, to pick uh, out of the ones that there were that, that were good ones. Uh, my wife poo-pooed all of them, and so we came down to uh, Madeline, which technically is a biblical name. If you want to know how, you can ask me uh, afterwards. But anyway, uh, I grew up in Philadelphia, and now I pastor church in uh, Mount Laurel, New Jersey. So I haven't gone very far in life coming to school twice here at at Cairn. And so I must say, though, I'm very excited to be up here. It's truly a humbling experience because I remember as a student uh, coming and sitting in these seats and uh, looking up to so many of the professors that spoke uh, at chapel. And so I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Although I was mentioning to someone that I was going to be speaking at uh, Cairns Chapel, and, um, you know, I told them that I don't remember any of the chapel messages from when I was a student, except for the really bad ones. You know, like there was something either, you know, slightly blasphemous or inappropriate in the message, and so, I mean, how many sermons from church do you really, really remember, right? So, hopefully this will not be memorable, at least not in a, at least not in a bad sense. But I'm, uh, I'm also honored uh, to be here, not only to be in this place as much as I love this school and, um, and I love uh, being here, but, uh, but because of you all, because of the students here at Cairn. Um, I look out here and, and I see so many lives, and, uh, which means so many, so many stories, so many backgrounds to this point uh, that God has brought you here on this day, and, uh, and so much potential, so much opportunity for the future, which means so many incredible things that I know the Lord is going to do through so many of you. And, uh, and so I'm very excited to, uh, to be here, to be able to get up in front of you for a few minutes. And really this morning, I want to just uh, encourage you. I want to encourage you from God's words so that you'll go forth from here. And I don't know what you felt like coming in. Maybe you were um, a, a little tired. Maybe you've got a, a lot going on in your life. Maybe you've got a lot of um, distraction in your life right now and you know that you haven't been walking the path that you should be and so I just want to uh, encourage you this morning and remind you of some great things from God's word and um, ultimately because I, I want you to all love Jesus. I want you to love Jesus with your whole heart and, uh, and to uh, proclaim his name throughout your lives. Well when they gave me uh, the date for a chapel of course I saw it was February 14th and so first thing that came to my mind was Valentine's Day. And a lot of people asked me if I was going to uh, talk about love or the love of God or something like that. But I'm not. <laughs> so sorry if, uh, if you love Valentine's Day. Uh, but I will say, I looked this up, statistically 88% of Cairn students will find their spouse while at Cairn. 88% That's exciting. I completely made that up. I completely made that up. <laughs> yeah. So so don't sweat it, right? Especially if you're a senior, you know, and you haven't found... It's Valentine's Day. Honestly, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Um, you know, today's not only Valentine's Day. It's, uh, it's a dual holiday today. Today's Valentine's Day, and it's also... Ash Wednesday and the uh, the beginning of Lent. All right. Because I know that might not be on the radar for a lot of you, uh, but uh, some of you, I'm sure uh, that's part of your faith tradition. I I saw an article that said that it was a problem for some, having Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday on the same day because, you know, Valentine's Day, you know, is, is supposed to be, you know, about one another and usually there's a lot of feasting that goes on and Ash Wednesday is supposed to be a day of focusing on the Lord and there's a lot of fasting that goes on. But somebody, uh, somebody did say, well, you know, Bible says God so loved the world, and he demonstrated that love at the cross, which Lent is the season that leads up to Easter, and so maybe there is some relationship between Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday. Um, all I know is uh, watch out if your uh, significant other is giving up sugar for Lent and you bought them a box of chocolates. That might not work out so well for you today. Personally, I... Uh, by the way, Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day falling on the same day. That hasn't happened since 1945, so this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Actually, it's happening six years from now. It's just a quirk in the calendar, but uh, yeah, I wasn't raised in a faith tradition that even mentioned Ash Wednesday or, uh, or Lent, but in recent years, I've really come to, uh, to appreciate this, uh, this season of fasting, and, uh, and I've used it to really focus on the Lord in some way in my relationship with Him. And so it's a good day for us to be together. And, um, and as I said a few minutes ago, I want to hopefully refocus our attention on um, what the Lord Jesus told us before he, before he left, um, this mission that, uh, that he gave us to, uh, to carry out until he returned. So if you have a Bible, and uh, I imagine you all do. I, <laughs> I sure hope so. You better. Um, turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, and I want to pick up in verse 6. Acts chapter 1. And verse 6, it's the, uh, it's the ascension scene here. So Jesus has his apostles gathered together to give them his final instruction before, uh, before leaving. And just in verse 6, it says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? It's a fascinating verse. It shows that the apostles didn't yet fully fully understand uh, everything that they would in in just a few days after this. I mean, they had been eyewitnesses to the fact that, you know, Jesus was alive and then died and then was alive again. They They had heard that, you know, what he told them, that he was going away, that he would come again, that the Holy Spirit was coming, and that they were to take the gospel and to spread it, but still here they are holding on to you know, some thought that maybe some of the promises of the Old Testament, for instance, that the coming king was going to rule over the nations from Jerusalem, was still going to happen or was going to happen now. And um, it's really not until the Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2 that their whole perspective changes and they really understand the mission that Jesus called them to when their eyes are opened and then they go forth, of course, through the book of Acts to fulfill that. Here they're still focused on Israel only. That's going to change um, shortly. Um, they're also focused on this physical reality, the restoration of the nation to Israel, to prominence and blessing, but that's going to change as well. And so Jesus here, in answering their question, is kind of fascinating because he doesn't just say no, he, um, he tells them more like, uh, don't worry about it. Look at verse 7, he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So in essence, his answer is, it's not for you to know. God's in control. He's got the plan all worked out. And uh, often, you know, when Jesus talks about his return, you know, his focus is, is to not be on, you know, when is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? But being prepared for when it does happen and living in such a way that we are prepared for his return and the full establishment of the kingdom of God whenever God decides to bring it. So then what does faithful obedience to Jesus look like? What is the mission that he gives to us? If he's not going to restore the kingdom right now, he tells the apostles. He says, God's, you know, that, that's in God's timing. What does he call them to? Well, verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so first here, Jesus speaks of the coming of the Holy Spirit with power. He says that they'll be empowered when the Spirit comes to speak boldly about the things that Jesus has, has said, has told them. Jesus calls them witnesses here, and they are, right? They've lived alongside of Jesus. They've seen all the miraculous things that Jesus has done throughout his ministry. They're eyewitnesses to the fact that Jesus was alive and actually was dead and actually rose from the dead, and they've seen him and talked to him and touched him. And so they are to go forth until Jesus comes, until he comes again, telling people what they have heard and seen, telling people what Jesus has done. And you know, the gospel accounts uh, give similar commissions to what Jesus gives here in Acts 1 8. For example, uh, most familiar probably is what we call the Great Commission the end of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. There's others as well. At the end of the Gospel of Luke, Luke 24, 47, he says that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And you could even add Mark 16:15, uh, but I'm not going to touch the ending of Mark. That's for another time, so, but it's there if you uh, want it. But we see that Jesus, just before leaving earth, gave clear instruction on what the business of his followers was to be while he was away until he returns. They had a, uh, they had a mission to fulfill. And Now, maybe sometimes when we think of missions or we think of missionaries, Maybe we think of just a few people. Maybe we think of going and doing this work in, in a faraway place. I came across this definition of missions, though. Let me share this with you. Quote, missions is the activity of individuals who distinguish themselves from the society in which they live, both in terms of religious convictions and social behavior. Let me read the first half again, then I'll read the second half. Missions is the activity of individuals who distinguish themselves from the society in which they live both in terms of religious convictions and social behavior. They are convinced of the truth of their belief and actively work to win other people for their convictions and for their way of life sent by God and the risen Jesus Christ to proclaim the gospel. And so according to that definition we all are missionaries, we all Are called to different places that we are going to live and to work, uh, called and sent by the Lord Jesus in those places and at those times because we believe His Word, we believe this message of the gospel, and He has commissioned us and called us to proclaim it to this lost world. And so we got work to do. We got work to do. And you know, this is what Jesus lays out for them following His death and resurrection He says He's going away, Holy Spirit's coming. Proclaim it until he comes again. And in the meantime, this is, uh, this is the day that, that we still live in here today with the power of the Holy Spirit as followers of Jesus. We have this, this job to do to go and make disciples, to go and proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus. To go and keep going and spread this message everywhere because we only have this time until Jesus comes again. And as he said, that's up to the Father. We don't know when that day may be. I know it's been a long time since he spoke these words, but the truth remains that Jesus is coming again. The mission hasn't changed. The job hasn't changed. Though generations have gone by. Here we are still today in our generation, in our time, in our place to fulfill the same mission that he gave to his disciples. And then the scene ends here with the ascension, verses nine to 11. It says, when he had said these things as they were looking on, He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And I love the the question there of the two angelic beings. And why are you standing here staring at the sky? I mean, Jesus... You know, just told them what to do. But you can understand maybe a little bit because, I mean, it's Jesus. And he was just there standing with them. And then suddenly, you know, he rose and suddenly he, he, he disappeared. And so you can understand maybe why these apostles are in somewhat of a bit of shock and, and standing there staring at the sky. And maybe they're wondering, even though they've heard Jesus give them the instruction of what they're to do, they're still wondering what's going on, where did Jesus go, what's happening But as they're staring into the sky, suddenly there's these angels with them saying, Hey guys, what are you doing? Why are you just standing here gazing at the sky, staring at the sky? Jesus just told you what to do. You're gonna be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, you got work to do. Holy Spirit's coming, you got a job to do. Why are you standing here staring at the sky? And um, you can track through the book of Acts and you know, you see how, how the gospel spreads just as Jesus said, starting in Jerusalem, going through the regions of Judea and Samaria and ultimately to the ends of the earth. By the end of the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul is far away in Rome under arrest, the capital of the empire. I mean, just in the book of Acts, how far and wide this gospel has spread and as you go through the book of Acts, obviously so much of it focuses on the life of Paul and his ministry. And I love what he says to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, because I think it really summarizes uh, Paul's life and ministry. It summarizes what we see of the apostles in, in the book of Acts. And, um, and I think it, it ought to summarize our lives as well as followers of Jesus. Paul says this to the Ephesian elders, Acts 20, 24. He says, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And my hope is that Paul's mission and purpose and goal would be so uh, for us as well today. Because, you know, it doesn't end with the book of Acts. And it doesn't end with Paul. It doesn't end with the apostles. But this mission that Jesus gave to them, that he sent them out to go and preach forgiveness and repentance that he called them to go to the ends of the earth with this mission proclaiming his name and what he has done that has been passed on from generation to generation right down through church history almost 2,000 years now generation after generation has believed this word has proclaimed this word and here we are today as in essence spiritual descendants of these apostles still with this same job to carry on in our day in our location this mission that Jesus gave and to see our lives as worth nothing to us but to have as our only aim in this life to finish the race and complete the task that we have been called to to testify to the good news of the grace of God but what does that look like for us now today what does that look like for me what does that look like for you? And it's one sense, in the general sense, the mission, the commission that Jesus gave has not changed. Like go and make disciples, go and preach repentance and forgiveness of sins. That hasn't changed. But at the same time, God has made us individuals, and so it's gonna look a little bit different for each one of us. Um, God has called us each in our own way to serve him. Each with our own lives. Each with our own gifts. Each with our own sphere of influence. Each with our own relationships. Each with our own families. Each with our own friends. Each with our own careers. Each with our own lives and journeys that he has called each of us to. And so it's going to look different, the outworking of this mission as I said it's it's why again I'm so honored to stand before here because you know just looking around here all of these lives in this room all of the the potential all of the opportunities all of the the ministries all of the multiplied lives that will be impacted because of the lives of the students in this room because of you because of the the potential path that is before you because of the areas that God might call you to and the things that he might call you to. That just like Jesus sending out his apostles, that some will go to Jerusalem and some would go to Judea and Samaria and some would go even further out from there. So it is with you all, some will go into full-time ministry and and pastor churches. Some Some will go into the missions field and be missionaries as we... Traditionally think of them some will go to places the gospel has never been some in this room Will take the gospel to places it has never been others will fulfill this mission that God has given us by working in a business field some will uh, work as counselors some as teachers some as Police officers some as soldiers some in government Some as musicians some as artists some as athletes Many of you will probably end up working uh, jobs or in fields that your degree that you get from Karen will have nothing to do with what you end up doing with your life. I know this because this has been the story of what God has done through the graduates of this university for decades now. In fact, I'm regularly reminded of this truth when uh, I receive in my mailbox, as I did recently, the... Magazine of Cairn University, do you all get this? I hope you do, I hope they don't just send it to alumni. I imagine that you do, and I remember even uh, as a student when I would see the uh, the version that they had of this at that time, the most exciting thing I remember being, if a professor you know, of a class that you have wrote an article, that used to be what I would always look for. Um, you know, obviously, I'm a pastor, and so you know I was a biblical studies major, and so most of my courses were with the Bible professors, and so I would always look for their articles to see what did they write about and maybe go and talk to them about it. But you know, now my, uh, my favorite part whenever I get this, uh, this magazine is to go to this section that's called the Alumni Arena. I don't know if you guys have ever carefully read through this, but in the Alumni Arena, when this magazine comes out, there is story after story, just little snippets of graduates from Cairn University from previous decades and what they're doing now or what they have done in recent years. Um, This particular edition goes all the way back to the 1960s, folks that have graduated in 1966, 1967, still alive, still serving the Lord. I want to read a a couple of these to you just as an example. One is, uh, and I'm probably going to butcher these names, so... Sorry if you know these folks. Uh, David Chantelau graduated in 1975. That's 43 years ago. Says he retired after almost 15 years of being a healthcare chaplain in Willow Valley retirement communities. Says he and his wife have moved to the Rock Hill, South Carolina area to be closer to their four children and grandchildren and then he says, "I am looking for something part time to serve the Lord in any way He wants me to serve." This is uh, here he is. He's in retirement, and yet he's still looking for ways that the Lord wants him to serve. Or here's another one: Joe Scordato graduated in 1980. It says he worked for 28 years in the publishing industry before pursuing a one-year chaplaincy training program in Morristown, New Jersey. He's currently seeking employment as a full-time chaplain. Also says that he served as a church planter from 2001 to 2007. One other here, um, another from the 90s. This is uh, Jen and Sean Ragonis. Said they celebrated their twenty-third wedding anniversary this year, that Sean has been teaching middle and high school social studies for seventeen years in New York. Says a few years ago he got a master's degree in Christian apologetics, and that his wife Jen opened her own bakery in two thousand thirteen. Apparently they have some children here. Elizabeth and Paul, I don't know. Hey. (laughs) There you go. And you're in chapel today too, so that's good because everybody would have known that I said your name. So it's, not, it's good that you're here. One more, uh, Dana Bird, graduated 2001. says she worked for Bucks County Children and Youth from January 2002 until June 2013. She also received her Master of Social Work during that time. And she's now a stay-at-home mom living in Missouri. You know, my wife is a stay-at-home mom. She homeschools our three children and so I, uh, homeschoolers, yeah? Ooh, yeah. Way to represent. So that's important to me. And, uh, you know, these are, uh, these are alumni who are, who are serving the Lord in many different ways. Um, they're scattered throughout the nation, scattered throughout the world even, working in both, in some cases, ministries, in other cases, secular industries, Uh, fulfilling the great commission wherever they are and as you go through here I just read four I mean there are there's tons I mean there's probably a hundred different little snippets in here of folks who have graduated through the decades from Cairn University and various ways in which in their place today they are fulfilling this commission that Jesus gave in all sorts of industries and you know we need more Uh, we need more Cairn alumni we need more graduates of this university we need more folks who not only graduate from this university who but who during their time at this university are dedicated to whatever field that it is that God has called them to to both learn the word of God to grow in their relationship with Jesus and to be professionals in their field so then when they go from here they can work in all of these different areas as representatives of the Lord Jesus with this mission that he has given to make disciples That doesn't just go for pastors and and those in full-time ministry. It goes for every single one of us. In a book, uh, Water from a Deep Well, it's a great book. I recommend it. Uh, Author Gerald Sitzer writes, So much time and energy is put into religious concerns, church buildings, church committees, church programs, church activities, that the secular world suffers from pure neglect, but it is in that very world that Christians spend most of their time. If the Christian faith is going to have any kind of impact at all, it must address how believers live in the secular world. Ordinary people must learn to live as disciples of Jesus when they are not at church. Perhaps we need a new category of saint, a secular saint who lives passionately for Christ while serving as a banker or teacher or construction worker or artist. No matter where it is that God ultimately calls you, no matter where it is, even though we're in one place right now in this one chapel, at this one university, in this one room, you're going to go from here and ultimately be scattered. You're going to be scattered across this area of southeastern Pennsylvania, New Jersey. You're going to be scattered throughout the United States. You're going to be ultimately scattered maybe even across This world, You're gonna be scattered across churches and ministries. You're gonna be scattered across various business and other industries, serving the Lord, I pray, I hope, committed to him, as the Apostle Paul says, counting your life as worth nothing to you, as not precious to you, but just that you would have your eyes fully set, your heart fully committed on the Lord Jesus and the mission that he has given us until he comes. But you know, I don't wanna give us a... um, a false idea here either because, you know, as you read through these, uh, these little snippets in here of graduates of Cairn, you know, these are submitted by the people themselves, so I guess you could just make up something if you know, <laughs> life's not going so well for you, just make up something, submit it, no, that's not a good idea, but I assume that these are all true, but that they're submitted by the people themselves, and so they're generally pretty, pretty happy pretty good things that uh, the people are doing and I know that for every one of them there are others who life's not gone so well there's been times of difficulty times of uh, of pain of suffering times of unemployment times when they haven't had the finances to pay their bills times when uh, Their children have been ill or worse. I know it's been difficult. There's been heartache. Jesus gave us the mission. Called us to this job that he's given us, but he never said that it would be easy. Never said that it would be a a smooth road for us. Reminds me, actually, of um, Hebrews chapter 11. You know, as I consider all of these stories of of folks who have gone before us and all of the lives that are represented in this room. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer gives us all these various stories as well, of people of faith that have gone before us, right? People who we read their stories in scripture. And it's a powerful summary of what the people of God have faced through history, really from Abel all the way to the writer's present day, right? To some experiences that even his audience had probably endured. Uh, We call it, of course, the hall of faith, In Hebrews eleven, it's you know, it's easy for us to look at those names and maybe even to think of some of the people that, you know, they have these stories that they've gone on to this life of of ministry or or business or counseling or whatever it is, and they've served the Lord in so many great ways, and there's been all of this fruit from their lives and ministry, and to think they must be really special people. And they're special. You know, and the people in the Bible, they're they're important. I mean, you read their stories, you've got Enoch. Says he didn't die, but you know walked with God, and God took him. You know also says Noah walked with God. You've got Abraham, Moses, Samuel, David. You know, and you look at those names, and you think, man, those are some incredible people. They're not. How can they even be human? Look at the things that they did for the Lord, and they did. They they had incredible faith. But you know, when you really consider who the author of Hebrews uh, puts on this list, it's maybe somewhat surprising. Because remember what happened uh, after. Noah came off the ark he dug a vineyard and got drunk and um, you got others Abraham he lied about his wife Sarah Sarah laughed when God said that she would conceive in her old age Jacob tricked his father and stole his brother's blessing Moses complained about not being able to speak well God had to convince him to go to Egypt for him you got the entire Exodus generation which is commended here but They had all their problems. Rahab's on the list. And remember, she was called Rahab the harlot. Gideon asked for a sign from God before he would obey. Samson uh, got lots of problems, was a womanizer. Jephthah made a rash vow. And David even, who is guilty of adultery and murder. And you know, there's so many others, even not on the list. You could think of Solomon or the kings of Judah and Israel, the disciples in the New Testament, who even throughout the ministry of Jesus didn't get it, even there in the ascension scene, still asking if he's going to restore the kingdom to Israel now. You think of Paul, who persecuted the church and was there approving of uh, Christians being sentenced to death. And so on and on. And the point is, these are ordinary men and women. They sinned, they doubted, they feared. But they also believed that God who had called them would be faithful and they were faithful to him and they faithfully endured through all that they experienced. And so don't see their faith as unreachable. They were very much real. But recognize that God uses sinful, fallen, broken vessels like us to do his will. And when you look at this incredible list, at the end of it, he he begins to just summarize them. If you look down to verse 32 of Hebrews chapter 11, says what more shall I say time would fail me to tell and he goes name after name as though he's running out of space but I want to look down here at verse 33 this is a great summary of the experience of the people of God through history not only in the Bible but really throughout church history and even in our world today it says who through faith conquered kingdoms enforced justice obtained promises stopped the mouths of lions quenched the power of fire escaped the edge of the sword were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign enemy armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Let me just pause there. You know, consider this list and how great these things are. I mean, some of them you probably can even think of the Bible story that goes along with them, right? That you know, conquering kingdoms, there's many examples of that. Or um, stop the mouths of lions. Of course, think Daniel in the lion's den. Quench the power of fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It says women received back their dead by resurrection. You got the story of the widow of Zarephath, the Shunammite woman who Elijah and Elisha raised their sons. Some really great and awesome things that God has done through men and women who had faith and acted in faith. And you know, you hear that list and you think, man, that's all good. What a great list. Winning wars, you know, being made strong, conquering kingdoms. You know, as I think through you know some of those snippets, or think of some of the people that I've known, family members that I have that have graduated from Cairn, friends that I have, and I think of all the successes, all the victories spiritually speaking, all of the churches that have been planted, all of the places the gospel has gone to, all of the businesses and industries that have been impacted by Cairn alumni, students who have gone from. The seats you're sitting in from this very room and have gone out throughout the world fulfilling the great commission that Jesus called us to, that they're more than conquerors, they're, they're overcomers, that they've done incredible things just as this list says. God uses his people to do awesome and powerful things, but you know, that's not the end. It says some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. the faith of his people to do mighty things. And sometimes God called him to endure really difficult hardships. This, uh, this, this life, this, this journey of faith that we're on, sometimes it feels like we're walking with God and that he's right there with us. And, you know, you can see his hand at work. And then sometimes you wonder, where is he? And sometimes you think, God, what are you doing? Where are you? This is difficult. Because sometimes he blesses you. Sometimes he heals you. And sometimes he delivers you from whatever trial you're facing. But other times he doesn't. Sometimes men escape the edge of the sword and sometimes they were killed with the sword. Sometimes they conquered kingdoms and sometimes, as it says, they were running for their lives, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. But through it all, they're examples of faith. They had faith when God called them to conquer kingdoms, and they had faith when God called them to die. And as exciting as it is to think of all of the potential and great opportunities in the ministries and the industries that all of you will scatter out to fulfill this great commission, there are some in here who are gonna have great success stories, Maybe you'll even send your little snippet back to the Karen Magazine, and you'll talk about all of the decades of ministry life that you had, or of how you started a business, or maybe you became famous for something, or maybe you took the gospel into a place it's never been. But there's also others here. The journey's going to be very difficult. It's going to feel like failure after failure, like God's just closing doors all over the place. You're going to suffer physically. You're going to have times of financial hardship. But it goes back to Acts chapter 20, verse 24 again. As Paul said, and consider this life worthy or as precious to him, but that he would finish the race, the ministry that God had given him. And so, as I said at the beginning, we've all got... We've all got a job to do here. Jesus hasn't come back yet. Right, that generation has passed. All the apostles are gone. But now here we are, almost two thousand years later. All of those Karen alumni—they've gone before us, but their time here is over. Many of them are retired. Many Karen alumni are already with Jesus. But what about you? You have this opportunity here today you know even this next hour maybe you have class this next hour don't waste it don't waste this day don't waste this class everyone that you have because you're being prepared now for these places that God is going to send you to you're being prepared now for the journey that he's got before you you're being prepared now to fulfill this commission that he has given you to go and make disciples, to go and proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins to all nations, to all peoples. And it's important that whether you're in a, a Bible class and you're preparing for full-time ministry, and man, you love that and you pay attention to that and you soak up in that, so that when you go from here, you can proclaim God's word accurately and powerfully. Or if you're going into business or social work or... Music, or who knows what else? Teaching. That you have those classes preparing you, that you would pay attention, that you would work hard, that you would take advantage of every opportunity you have today, right now. So that when you get there, you're ready. So when you get there, you're prepared. The question is what is your life worth to you? Is it going to be for yourself? you Are going to get there and, and start your own business or get your own family and have your career and have the American dream and have all of those things that so many people in this world long for and live for? Or like the Apostle Paul, are you going to say, my life's not precious to me, Lord. I want to pour it out for you, for your kingdom, for your glory, until Jesus comes or you call me home. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm so thankful for this morning and for each life here, God. And I know, Lord, that, God, that you're going to do some amazing and awesome things. The folks here are, are going to go out of this room and, and into all sorts of businesses and industries and careers and families and cities and places in this world doing things for your kingdom and for your glory, spreading the name of Jesus wherever they are. Father, it's going to be glorious on that day when Jesus returns, Father, to see all of the vast millions of lives that were multiplied and changed because of the graduates of Cairn University, Lord. You have been so faithful to this school. You have used so many in so many powerful ways. And yet, Lord, I also know that road will not be easy. God, maybe there's even some here today that it's been tough. It's been tough in the past, and maybe even today, where they sit, it's been tough. They've got problems back at home. They've got problems, maybe physically, financially. They have doubts about being here. They have doubts about the future. Remind us, Lord, every one of us, this day, of this mission that Jesus has given us. Remind us, Father, of how the Great Commission ends. That though we might feel like it's all overwhelming, it's too much, it's too difficult. Remind us that Jesus said, I am with you always. I am with you always to the end of the age until he comes. We thank you, Father, for all that you'll do. Pray, Lord, that each one here would not waste this day. In Jesus' name, amen.